Every single one of us has the power to change our future for generations to come. And we have the capacity to pass on wealth more than any previous generation. And proper estate planning is the only way to pass down wealth from one generation to another. For too long, we've been told, go to school, go to college, get a good job, find a great life partner, and our children will be better off. And yes, the next generation will be better educated. There will be fewer barriers to entering the workforce or launching a startup. They will earn more money, but honestly, that's not enough. We have overcome far too much to cheat ourselves out of the final step that can assure our families live in peace and security. As a community, it's time to step up to the plate and start taking estate planning seriously. Hello everyone, and welcome to the Just Minding My Black Owned Business podcast. I'm Lynn Nicole. Today, I'm joined by the founder and CEO of Life Snapshot and digital estate planning expert, Sherry Williams Franklin, and returning guest, Jane Elligard, founder and coach of Elligard Wealth, will share her third pillar to financial empowerment. We have a lot to unpack, sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and we'll be right back. Sherry Williams Franklin is up next. Welcome to the Just Minding My Black-Owned Business podcast, the place to be if you are a business owner, entrepreneur, or business leader wanting to take your business from good to great. Tune in as we speak with amazing thought leaders, CEOs, and business trailblazers about their journey, challenges, and successes. Here's your host and business innovation expert, Lynn Nicole. Hey guys, it's Lynn Nicole here. I'm here with the founder and CEO of Life Snapshots, Ms. Sherry Williams Franklin. How you doing, Sunshine? I am well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to have you on today. So first and foremost, can you tell us a little bit about what is digital estate planning? Yeah, no. Uh, so and a digital estate planning really is all about leveraging online self-serve technology to help families put their affairs in order because we recognize that over 58% have not conducted any form of estate planning. And the reasons that are typically given are one, it's too complicated, or two, it's too expensive. And so we wanted to provide an option uh, for them online. Okay. Well, what motivated you to launch a Life Snapshot and provide digital estate planning services? Unfortunately, um, my sister passed away in 2015 at the age of 36. And it was really the first time for me that I had to finalize someone's life. And so it was overwhelming. I mean, I found myself at her home two days after she passed away there looking for documents that were being asked of us by the funeral home and we just could not find them. And so we're there in her home. We're looking under the mattress. We're looking in the closet. We're looking at all these random places in her home, which let me be clear, feels like a complete invasion of privacy when you're I'm doing sure. that, I'm sure. you know, and we came up empty handed. I started to 
randomly call, you know, life insurance companies to find out if they had a record of her being a policyholder. And everyone said no. And so I started Life Snapshot because I felt like there has to be a solution in the marketplace that can support families when they're dealing with such a difficult time, but also, you know, trying to provide some level of continuity. Um, that we just couldn't find for ourselves. So that that's really the the reason behind it. It's very personal, um, and it it really was birthed from one of the most difficult times in my life. Well, I'm really so sorry to hear about that. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Can you tell us uh, what exactly the difference is uh, between a digital estate planner and a certified estate planner? We're all about leveraging technology to make sure that families can put their affairs in order. Where a certified estate planner is going to sit down with you, they're going to draft your will, they're going to draft, potentially, they're going to draft your plan um, to put your life in order. We're going to house all of those documents. We want to make sure that if you never sit down with an attorney, if you never sit down with an actual estate planner, that you can do similar practices. So let's be clear. Again, 58% of Americans do not do any form of estate planning, which means they don't have a will. They don't have any type of documents in place. Our um, platform is built to support those that have done either some level of estate planning or none. So let's talk about what that looks like. If you're someone who is like, you know, my grandmother, she's never going to sit down with an attorney. She's never going to sit down with an estate planner and talk through her affairs. She has assets and she's not going to talk about them with anyone. Um, But could we sit down with her and put her information into a tech platform and have a roadmap to all of her assets? Absolutely. But is she going to go and sit in someone's office and talk to them and share her business, she's not going to do that. And so what we wanted to do is provide a platform that would support someone like her. But then you have people like myself and likely you that have purchased life insurance policies and, you know, may have put a will in place for your family. You might have trust accounts and you want to put that somewhere that someone can easily access. And so that's what our platform does. We allow our our members to do that. And then we provide them with a higher level of support to communicate that to their loved ones when something happens to them. So whether you become incapacitated or have reached end of life, our team is there to support you and ensure that things are communicated the way that they're supposed to be communicated. That doesn't happen with a certified financial or certified uh, estate planner. Well, why do you think African-Americans not finding value in estate planning? I mean, is it because they think that, you know, you know, it's only for millionaires, people who has money. That's it. Yeah, I think I think that's the myth. I think they think it's complicated, but it doesn't have to be. I mean, at the the bottom line is estate planning is just a uh, you know fancy term for planning. It's putting a plan in place, and so that looks different for everyone. And you're right, the minority community, seventy percent of us, um, including um, Hispanic Americans haven't done any financial or haven't done any estate planning. We, it's just something that we're not sure how to do it. We think it's complicated. We think it's expensive. And so we shy away from those activities, but um, we can do it. It's, it literally is a plan. It is just saying, 
What do you want to happen with all of the things that you have worked for your entire life? So let's talk about what assets are, because that's been a question. People are like, well, what's an asset? Right. So <laughs> an asset is as simple as you have a bank account. You need someone to manage that. When my sister passed away, we didn't know where she banked. Um, think about that, right? She's single. She's single. She lives alone. She's not married. No, there's no one that should know her personal business. We didn't know where she banked. We didn't know um, her uh, her um, boss's information. We didn't know who to contact about her car. How would we know that? We have no idea how to finalize her affairs. We didn't know who to contact for any of that stuff. Well, that is the intention here is to put a plan. You have to communicate with someone where your assets are, who is managing them, so that if something happens to you, your family can, you know, close out your accounts. It has to happen. It's just, again, estate planning is putting a plan in place that communicates all of your assets so that they can be communicated with your loved ones when something happens to you. It's about providing continuity for the day that you're no longer here. Who would know what to do? So that's why critical, not just for minorities, but all people. Death is the one thing that unifies us globally, right? Really that is the one thing that, you know, it doesn't matter your sexual orientation. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your age. Death can happen to all of us at any point. And so we have to make sure that we have a plan in place and have our affairs in order. More so because, you know, like I know, nothing brings out the worst, but funerals and sometimes weddings. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. you'd be surprised. Uh, people forget that they're there to mourn. Right. And they just looking to see what they can get if there's no plans in place. Yeah. And I mean, that's the that's the most troubling part. This is one of the most sensitive times in a family's life. Yes, yet it's the most vulnerable time for us, right? Like this is the time where you don't want your family to have to try to figure things out. You want everything to be right there and accessible for them. You know, everyone that asks me, well, tell me a little bit about Life Snapshot. What does it do? I always say we help families organize, securely store personal asset and final wishes information so that their loved ones can easily find it while grieving. While grieving, you do not need to struggle to find information while you're grieving. Your emotions are all over the place. You need it to be easy. You need it to be clear. And that is what we're trying to provide. Can I sign up today? Do you, you, can. you can sign up today. Absolutely. <laughs> so you can sign up today. <laughs> so what are some uh, positive pre-death planning practices? Yeah, so let's talk about what that is. I want to define it for people. It really is all about being proactive, right, in terms of what we're planning for our death. Uh, pre, uh, positive pre-planning practices can be things like life insurance. It can be um, having a will in place. It can be um, having just all of your ducks in a row to some extent. Those are positive. Anything that's going to help provide continuity for your family when you're no longer here, that is a positive pre-death planning practice. And so my tip and my recommendation for everyone is always to, one, the first thing that anyone should be doing is getting an advanced directive in place. 
that's something that you and your medical provider should sit down, talk about what do you want to happen if something happens to you? If you get into a car accident tomorrow, what do you want to happen? Do you want extreme measures or not? Is what, what's your desire? And then the second part of that is a power of attorney. Who do you want your medical power of attorney to be? That's critical. You need to have that um, documented because again, if you get into a car accident tomorrow, who makes the decisions for you? Is that your spouse? Is it your parent? Is it your boyfriend, girlfriend? If you're not in a marriage, it doesn't just automatically go to your spouse. Who do you want to stand over you and make those decisions? And let's be clear, some spouses are not the designated you know, power of attorneys. There are parents that are power of attorneys over their um, children. There are children that are medical POAs for their parents. And so, right, here. right I'm in the same boat. Um, I'm the medical power of attorney for my mom. I was with her when she drafted her advanced directive so that I was clear on what it is that she wants. But let's be honest, those conversations don't always happen. And so those are things that absolutely have to be put in place. And then your financial power of attorney, who do you want to go to the bank? on your behalf and close out your accounts. Who's that person? Um, because if they're not listed on your account, they can't just go into the bank and make decisions for you. So those are three things that I, I believe are really critical as you try to put an estate plan in place or start to think through positive pre-death planning practices. So what happens to your email accounts, your social media accounts, anything, your passwords, all of that. I mean, do you provide help with that as well? We do. So we have a section in our system that allows you to um, put in your passcodes for all of your social media, for all of your um, like Apple ID or whatever, um, like your passcode to your computer, because let's, that's the start, right? If we can't get in your computer, we can't get into anything else. If we can't get in your passcode on your phone to get to the Apple ID, we can't get to anything else. So let's start there. Those are two things that um, you can absolutely, you can put those in our platform. You can put the, um, you can put the actual information for social media in the platform, or you can put hints to social media. You know, some people are, are super conservative and don't want to have their things out in cyber, you know, cyberspace, which is fine. Um, but we have a full cybersecurity team to monitor that. <laughs> but let's be clear, every day we're putting our stuff on the cloud, right? Yes, if, you're in, if you're in your email, it's in the cloud. So um, at least we have a real team here of security experts to kind of monitor that. <laughs> it's not but, just the cloud. <laughs> yeah, it's not just the cloud. It's not just, oh, I trust that it's in my email. No, you want to put that in a secure platform. So, um, so yes, we do have a feature that is called digital assets and it covers your um, computer logins it covers your um, all of all of your details all of your social media and other uh, logins and, and passcodes okay well how do you even really start that conversation well let's let me ask this question who who is it that you want to have the conversation with right are you saying how to start the conversation with a spouse are you saying have a conversation with your family? Who, who do you want to have the conversation with? It could be your spouse. It could be your children. Me personally, I have sat down with my daughter and my son. They don't want to have the conversation. They're like, I don't want to talk about that. No, you're not going anywhere. I'm like, baby, mommy's going to be gone. I'm not going to live forever and nor do I want to. But we need to be prepared for it. But they're just not really open to hear it. We have our will in place. But I wasn't aware of the digital estate planning. so. 
Definitely yeah. going to jump on board on that as well. You're listening to the Just Minding My Black-Owned Business podcast. We'll be right back after this break. Hi, I'm Sherry Williams Franklin, and I'm the founder of Life Snapshot. And you are tuned in to the Just Minding My Black-Owned Business podcast with the amazing Lynn Nicole. So like comment, review, and subscribe so you're notified when the next episode goes live. Hey, my name is Kenoy. Check out my new book, Empress of Coils, a story about me. It's a book for the girls with tight curls. Come with me on a journey into knowledge, self-discovery, history, self-awareness, and confidence. Available right now on Amazon, Walmart, and Barnes & Noble. Get your copy today, and I'm sure you will not be disappointed. Hello, this is Zanetta Rogers. Join me on Wednesday at 5 p.m. for my new podcast, Legacy Game Changers. Every Wednesday at 5 p.m., join me and we are talking about finance, education, and wealth building for you and your family to leave a legacy for your loved ones. Once again, that's Legacy Game Changers, Wednesday at 5 p.m. And now, back to Just Minding My Black-Owned Business Podcast with Lynn Nicole. Well, how do you even really start that conversation? Interesting that you say that because that has been one of the biggest issues facing families. Most families struggle to have the conversation. Um, They struggle to approach the conversation. And let's be clear, there's a study that comes out every two years by the Conversation Project, and they essentially have reported consistently that 92% of Americans say that it's important to discuss end-of-life planning, end-of-life care, all of that. But only 32% actually have the conversation. And so that's a big number. That's That's a a big dip. Okay, so 92% believe the conversation is important, but then our behavior doesn't show that it's important because we're not having these conversations. And this is exactly why there is $40 billion in unclaimed money and property being held by the U.S. government. Now, I'll come back to that point. We have you identify three designated contacts that you want to receive all of your information. So that means any files that you've uploaded, if it's a will, if it's trust paperwork, if it's life insurance documents, if if you're the owner of a company and you've got your um, 
in corporation documents, you've got your uh, agreement with your uh, partners, what percentage of the business you own, all of that. Let's assume those documents are in our platform. We ensure that it gets to those three designated contacts so that nothing is missed. There's no other solution on the marketplace that does that. And it's because of this conversation issue. The conversations aren't happening. They're not. And we wanted to fuse technology, but also the human element. So there's other vaults. You can find a vault. I mean, our computers are essentially a vault. Our, you know, emails could be considered a vault. Um, You know, there's a number of vaults, but there aren't any vaults that also have a customer service team 100% focused on ensuring that if we can't get in touch with you after a predetermined amount of time that we are now escalating to the next level to ensure that things are shared with your loved ones. We don't just um, have you store things in our system. We have a customer service team that actually conducts well-being checks to ensure that you are well, because if you're not well, we want to be able to support your family during a difficult time, whether that's you are now incapacitated and you need the advanced directive that we actually have on file in the system, or you need that um, medical power of attorney document, we're able to share that when you can't do it for yourself, or you've now reached end of life and your family needs that information. We're here to do that as well. That's huge. I'm going to rewind that a little bit that you do well-being checks. Not everybody does that. That is one thing that makes us very different. Um, There's no one else in the market that is going to provide you with a vault and then also ensure communication on your behalf. It's not happening. Um, And so that's where we're different. That's where our customers see a lot of value. Um, We conduct either monthly or quarterly well-being checks based on our customers' preferences. It's funny because most people, when they join, they want us to reach out monthly. And then they're like, Okay, wait, wait, chop and stop. <laughs> so then they she move back to again. quarterly. Because right, like, it comes so quick, right? These check-ins come so quick. So my team, they actually, they'll send out an email, they'll call, they'll text, depending on your preferences. So we ask people to pick their preferences and based on their communication preference, that's how the team will reach out to them. And so, yeah, they're, they, throughout this pandemic, people have been very excited to get our team on the phone and, you know, hear someone saying, hey, just checking in to see how you're doing. Um, one of our customer service ladies, her name is Amber. Everyone knows Amber. They love Amber. They look, they look for those calls from Amber. <laughs> she's amazing. She's like, and like some of the emails she'll show me, they'll like check in with her like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> she's like, I'm good. <laughs> and they'll like, so she'll send them a check-in notice and they're like, hey, she'll say, hey, you know, just doing a, a monthly well-being check. Want to make sure everyone's good. They're like, oh, everything's good over here. How you doing? Like, staying safe? You know, are you wearing a mask? Like, they're checking on her now. So it's really amazing the, you know, the human element that we've been able to bring. And that's what we wanted. You know, we didn't just want to be a tech company. There's a million tech companies. We wanted to be humans. We wanted to have a face to the brand. We wanted to have a face to the company. And that connection. Yeah, like we're we're real people. We're not out here just hiding behind technology. Like this is what we do. We're on every social media platform because we're social. We want this is like a huge conversation, and we want people to feel comfortable with what we're um, offering. So yeah, it's a tough conversation. It has to be had, and we have figured out a way to provide real value by allowing our technology and our customer support to support families. 
What about the small business owners? If they have a family business, is that a little bit more complex? Well, I mean, small businesses are owned by someone. And so that's going to be a critical part of their estate plan. When they're finalizing their lives and putting their um, affairs in order, they need to be clear on businesses. And so um, there's a section in our platform that asks them, you know, do you, are you a business owner? Do you have any um, business interests? Because you might not, you could be a, a angel investor. You could be a VC. You could have investments in a hundred companies across the country. And unless you put that down on paper somewhere, no one would know. Um, and so the way that we built out the platform also supports companies um, or individuals that own companies that would also want their loved ones to have that information. Okay, well, what are the most common mistakes people make when planning their legacy? Well, I think the mistake is they don't do it. I think the biggest mistake is okay. that they don't do it. They hide the information and then it's a struggle for people to find it. So, you know, creditcards.com puts out a, a poll every year that talks about um, the reasons uh, most couples and in live-in relationships or marriages are not necessarily forthcoming with all of their assets. And the number one reason is one, either they... Um, never felt the need to share. That's like one of the reasons given, or they wanted to maintain some level of privacy. They didn't want to share that information with someone else. They want to keep that um, kind of private and confidential. And then the third um, reason given was that they're embarrassed about the way that they manage their finances or their assets. And so they don't necessarily share it. So that's why a lot of um, asset information and beneficiaries aren't even aware that they're beneficiaries on potential accounts or they're not beneficiaries, but um, their partner had these accounts and they didn't know that they existed and they will never know that they existed unless it's written down somewhere. And that's another thing that we like to make sure is very, is crystal clear for our members is this can be private up until death, right? Like no one has to know you're in our system up until the point that you're incapacitated or, you know, no longer with us. So you, there's two approaches. Either you say, hey, if anything ever happens to me, call Life Snapshot. And then they know, okay, well, I don't know everything that's in there, but if anything happens, I know to call them and then I'll get the information. Okay, that's one. Or they never tell anyone they're a member. And then we conduct a monthly well-being check. We can't get in touch with them. And so then we escalate and start to reach out to the designated contacts to find out, hey, how's this person doing? And they say, oh my God, they passed away. And we're like, whoa, can you verify who you are? Can you confirm your email? Can you confirm your phone number? We just sent you a code. Okay, they had you listed. We're sending you some information. And they have it within minutes. So that's the process. And it's to, again, it's to simplify access and provide value for families so that if they don't have these tough conversations, if they don't plan the way they need to plan, there is a system in place to ensure that none of their assets and the things that they've acquired throughout life end up being held up by the government and not uh, given to their family to support, to support their family. We want to support the legacy of families. That's the goal. So how secure is your technology? Security is our number one priority. Anyone that asks me, what is the thing that keeps you up at night? Is me always wanting to make sure we're secure. We're constantly, uh, we have a full security team that's monitoring our platform. We don't ask for sensitive information. So like, we're not asking for your social security number. We're not asking for your account numbers. We just need to know where do you bank? 
We just need to know who has your 401k. What life insurance company are you with? It's up to you if you want to add in the policy number. We're not asking for the value. That's none of our business. We can't see anything. So I like to be clear about that. Um, but from a security perspective, we're extremely secure. We've got a full cybersecurity team. We um, have two-step authentication, SSL security, database encryption, malware scans, full system backups. We have insurance <laughs> that fights terrorism and cyber, um, you know, cyber hacks and frauds. So we are fully ready to fight any unauthorized attacks on our system. So just like a Google, just like a, you know, uh, Amazon, we are doing the exact same thing. So very proud of that. I'm sure a lot of people are wondering how much is this going to cost? It doesn't take that long. We've got customers that have communicated to us. It took them about 15 minutes to set up their full um, system. It's mobile, so it's desktop, it's mobile friendly. It, it goes on the go with you. If you've got five minutes and you wanna put some information in, you can, you could get done in five minutes. It doesn't require mm -hmm. a lot to get a plan in place. In terms of pricing, it ranges from $14.99 a month up to $4,000 for a lifetime membership. So it really is um, budget friendly, um, depending on the needs of our customers. When we first started, um, we build annually, but we realized we're in the middle of a pandemic, income levels are changing. So we shifted to monthly options so people can sign up for as little as $14.99 a month um, and ensure that they get their affairs in order. Um, that's the goal. We wanna support as many families as possible. How can our listeners contact you? They can go to our website, which is uh, lifesnapshot.com. Um, and we're on all social media platforms. So Life Snapshot Inc. So on Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram, and uh, LinkedIn. So feel free to follow us that way. And um, yeah, we look forward to uh, being a resource in the African-American community as well as every community, right? It's, uh, again, um, death does not discriminate. And so we want to make sure that we're supporting all families. And that's what we're here to do. And we're very happy and proud of the work so far. Well, I am very happy that you chose to come on to Just Minding My Black-Owned Business. I am now going to ask you my favorite question that I okay. always save either at the beginning or the end. What exactly does Minding My Black-Owned Business mean to you? Yeah, so for me, first of all, I love the name of the show. And for me, it's all about staying in your own lane and executing with excellence, regardless of the ethnicity of your customers. So that's what it means to me. Um, I want to just be focused on creating um, positive pre-death planning practices that, you know, help support families because death is universal. And so it's the one thing that unifies us. And that is what uh, that means to me. So thank you so much for asking and having me today as well. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Of all the things that women talk about amongst themselves, money and money management is not one of them. Somehow, it is always considered unseemly. Here to share her third pillar to financial empowerment for women is our returning guest, Jane Elligard, founder and coach of Elegant Wealth. Up next.
All right, Jane, welcome back. Glad to have you back so we can continue our discussion on all your pillars, the six pillars to financial empowerment. Um, but just to give us a recap of what we just discussed um, in pillar one, marrying a rich man. Do you mind speaking a little bit on that before we move on to pillar three? Absolutely, Lynn. Thank you. Yeah, just to recap pillar one. So it's all about your money values and beliefs. And I just really believe this is such a fundamental aspect of understanding your money. And it's one that gets skipped over so often. And as women, I don't think we take the time to step back and, and give ourselves that space to think about this. And so when you think about money and how it intertwines with every aspect of your life, understanding those money values and beliefs that came from your grandparents to your parents to you, and maybe you're, you know, fighting against the money beliefs that uh, you were handed down, but regardless, they're having an impact. And so understanding those, I think, is just a really valuable exercise to go through. So people understand kind of the flow that we normally take. So pillar two is I call what's your destination. And that's really about establishing your individual and personal financial goals. And in pillar two, we dig into that pretty deeply. And I think that's, again, a really important component of understanding your financial situation. But then we go on to pillar three, where what which I call planes, trains, and automobiles. And that is really about your starting point. And if you think about, you know, for example, when at some point we're going to get to travel again, I hope. And when we do that, when you go to book your flight, you need to know not only your destination, but your starting point. And the same is true with your financial situation. So understanding your starting point in financial terms, your starting point is your net worth. And your net worth is really looking at all of the assets that you have and everything that you own, and then looking at the liabilities or everything that you owe, so any money that you owe to other people, whether it's the bank or a, a family member, whatever that is, taking those assets minus those liabilities, and that is your net worth. And that's really your starting point. Where am I at today? And understanding that and having that awareness around what that means to you, I think is really valuable. You know, there's all different paths that you can take. And if you, you know, if you can get on that nonstop flight, Lynn, and, and get from A to B, God bless you. That's, that's fabulous. <laughs> For most of us, it's not that easy. <laughs> Does that come with, you know, first class tickets? <laughs> yes, <laughs> For most of us, it's more of a journey. And. And it might take planes, trains, and automobiles. You might need a kayak and a bicycle thrown in. Who knows? It's going to be different for all of us. And that's okay, right? I mean, don't start comparing yourself to somebody else who has made it happen faster. Or it maybe it just appears that it's happened faster. A lot of times, you know, we don't achieve our goals without a lot of hard work. And, and you know, sometimes all we see is, is the end result and of somebody's success. And so I think not comparing yourself is, is important. And I just encourage you to think about that sometimes, that there, there are different paths. 
and uh, if you can save yourself a little bit of time and energy that that might be might be worthwhile sometimes people need to take the long road to get there to get a clear understanding of what needs to be done because you know everybody's different they receive information differently that is very true i sometimes we do need to make the mistakes in order to appreciate uh, the simplicity. So yes, I, I think you're you're definitely on to something there. Going back to your net worth, it's it's really understanding. You know, do you know how much your your home is worth if you have one? Do you understand how much debt that you have? Do you do you know how much you have in your investment accounts? Do you know how much you need to retire? So a lot of questions that if you understand your net worth, you're going to be able to answer those questions. And so starting to put together the pieces of the puzzle, and and I always think about if your financial situation is a big puzzle, right? There's so many different pieces to it. And I think that's what can be overwhelming at times, is that there are so many different pieces to this puzzle, and, and you start trying to put it together, and you know maybe you're missing a piece, you know, or things aren't fitting together right, and, and you know, so you, you, you give up. And it's easy to do. I mean, I, I get it. But at the same time, if you get the pieces of the puzzle pulled together and you get that, that puzzle, that vision, that picture on the box, if you start getting it actually put together, it's just going to make your journey so much easier and simpler. And so taking the time to get yourself organized, Find all the pieces that you need. You know, so looking for account statements, looking for your tax returns, your insurance, you know, the debt piece of it, um, you know, your will, your estate planning. I mean, there's so many different pieces to the financial puzzle and pulling it all together is going to be incredibly valuable. And just to talk about debt for a minute, um, to take a little bit of a sideline, you know, I think there's good debt and there's bad debt. And when you think about good debt, I mean, good debt is when you spend money on your education so that you can get a better job. But again, being conscientious about the fact that if you take out so much debt to get your education and then you're going to come out with a career path that doesn't pay very well, you need to weigh that. Is that really, you know, is there really a benefit there to that? Or is it going to bog you down for so many years that you're never going to get ahead? And so weighing those, those pros and cons with each decision. But education typically is going to be considered good debt. Real estate is typically going to be considered good debt. And there's two kinds of real estate. There's your home. It can be real estate. And, you know, in most cases, you know, we've seen when you buy a home, it goes up in value if you stay a long enough period of time in it. And so, again, weighing the pros and cons of that, buying other real estate can mean that it might generate income for you. So if you you have an apartment building or a strip mall or something like that, you own real estate that generates income, that's a positive, that's a good, good potentially good debt to take on starting a business. That's what we're talking about here, right? That's what you're talking about um, in your in your podcast is having a business. And that can be good debt. If it's going to help you move forward and make more money, you know, that is considered good debt. But bad debt is when 
you buy something that you either consume that doesn't go up in value or generate income. You know, credit card debt is the absolute worst possible debt you can get into. And so, you know, you, I hear, unfortunately, so many stories of people who get caught up in that. Uh, you know, they want to have those, those cool new shoes or the, the handbag or go on that great vacation. And those are wonderful things. But if you can't pay for them and you now take out credit card debt that's at, you know, 14, 60, I don't know where, what rates are, you know, interest rates are at on credit card debt these days, but it's incredibly high. And then if you can't pay it off, you get caught in this vicious cycle. And so I just really encourage, you know, everyone not to do that. And so be very conscientious about debt that you that you take on for yourself. We actually, my husband and I, we uh, saw a financial advisor. And of course, they wanted us to pull out, well, my husband wanted to pull out um, the information from our bank statements of what each of us was spending so we could get, you know, an idea. Oh, honey, I was depressed. (laughs) I cannot tell a lie. I was depressed because when I looked at what it was I spent for the year, I was, I did, first off, you don't realize you're spending that for one. It is a, a definitely an eye opener, an aha moment that you have. I mean, I had no clue that I was spending astronomical amount just on groceries. Yeah. And certain other things <laughs> I'm not going to say because I feel bad. <laughs> Oh, come on, Lynn. Give us one. That was enough. It was like I spent in a year's time, I think it was like 30 or more thousand. And it was like, what the heck did I spend it on? And when you start looking at the breakdown, it's just all this unnecessary crap. And you learn from that. Because let me tell you, after that, mm -mm, they can't have my money. (laughs) I'm trying to keep my money for good things. Good debt, as you say. <laughs> well, and it is, and it's, and I think it's, it's so easy to do, right? I mean, you go, you know, I walk into Target, and and you know, I never come out of Target less than a hundred dollars. And really, what did I, what did I spend money on? And and so I think, you know, and and pillar four is exactly that. It's talking about spending thoughtfully and having an awareness of what you're spending because I think it's just so easy to get caught up in, you know, thinking that you need to have that Starbucks every single day or, you know, whatever it is. And and when you start to actually add that up, it it really is. <laughs> yes. I had to go have a drink. I was like, oh my God, are you serious? I spent that much. And then you feel, well, well, where is it? Because I have nothing to show for this. Yeah. Yeah, and isn't that, that's the sad thing, is that there is nothing to show for it. And yes. so the other piece that I, I always encourage people to think about is, you know, am I spending, do I want to spend, you know, $75 on this sweater on my current self, or could that $75 be utilized better on my future self? And so, you know, stopping to think about that before you make that purchase can potentially, you know, get you to to really think more more deeply about something. So And there's nothing wrong with spending 
every now and then. But like you say, you just have to be aware yeah. and don't go overboard. Yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of this is awareness. Yeah. Very much so. Because I definitely, my eyes are now open. <laughs> well, good. That's good. And it's no fun when you have to sit there and explain to your husband, well, why did you spend that? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Well, you know, and I think there's this love-hate relationship with money because you're right. I mean, we love to spend. I mean, the spending part is fun, but then it's the it's the flip side of okay, well, now how do I pay for it? Yes. And you know, so that's the not that's the hate part. So there's definitely a love-hate relationship with money for a lot of us. So again, taking everything you own minus everything you owe, the money you owe, that equals your net worth. But what I always want people to understand is your net worth is not your self-worth. Your net worth is just the indicator of how wealthy you are financially, but it is not your self-worth. And I, I, I just think that's an important lesson to make sure you think about your legacy, not always in terms of money, because I think there's so much more to your legacy than your wealth, your financial wealth. I would encourage you to, you know, spend a little bit of time and create your net worth statement and see, you know, what that looks like. And and then start tying that back to, you know, those money values and beliefs. And if you have some financial goals and how can you now from where you're at today, from your starting point, how can you achieve those goals that you you want to want to get to? I just feel like every time I talk to you, I end up with an assignment. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> I do do that to people. Right? <laughs> but it's a good thing. I'm not complaining. <laughs> Glad to hear that. So the other thing then, once you've kind of got that part figured out, then it's looking at your future. So how do I now start working from where I'm at today to the future that, that I want to achieve? And one, there's, there's really two things that I think are really valuable here. One is paying yourself first. And, you know, honestly, when I didn't understand that for the longest time, I didn't understand what that meant. But what it's really talking about is you know, if at work, you have the opportunity to invest in a, a 401k plan, a retirement plan, having that automatically taken out of your paycheck so that you don't even see that money, that's paying yourself first, right? That's, that's paying yourself. That's taking care of your retirement. And so getting that money take, taken out so you never see it, that is paying yourself first. It's setting up a 529 college savings account for your children and having that money just go automatically into that every month. That's paying yourself first. It's having money that goes into an investment account of any sort. So any time that you can automate is going to make it so much easier to pay yourself first. So getting that money taken out you know you've got some money set aside, that's going to be a really valuable way to start to set yourself up for success in the future. And one of the things that I, my mom worked in the benefits department uh, for a company for many years, 
And one of the things she drilled into me was that when I started working, I would invest in a 401k retirement plan at work. And now not every company has one. You know, you might not work. And so if that's the case, then you would set up an individual retirement account and you would put money into that each year. But for many of us, we we have the, the, the beauty of having um, a 401k plan. I got to tell you, Lynn, when I first started working, I really couldn't afford to be investing anything. And yet, because the company matched up to 4%, so if I put 4% of my salary into my 401k retirement plan, they matched it. So that was like a bonus. That was free money. I couldn't pass that up. And so, you know, I was scrimping and saving, and but I had that money coming out and going into that 4%, that 4% going into my 401k plan. And and so I think if you can do that right away so that you never miss the money. And then every time I got a raise, I would increase it like by 1% or 2%. And so I really didn't even feel it. And, you know, my raise didn't seem like very much probably at the time, but but it was building up this, this savings for my retirement that I, I don't know that I could have had the confidence to start my own business if I didn't know that that retirement account was sitting out there for me in my retirement years. And so I think it's just so valuable to have that money set aside. And the earlier you can start, the better. But I always tell everybody, it's never too late to start. Never. Never. Never, never. No. So start today. You know, don't wait. Get started as soon as you possibly can. And I know, you know, with the time that we're in right now, you know, a lot of people have been hit hard by, you know, the pandemic and, you know, you may have been furloughed or laid off. And so I, you know, I, I, my heart goes out to you because I know this is a hard time for a lot of people. But once, you know, once you're back, we're back to some sort of normalcy, whatever that is for you, please be planning for this. And so even if you can't do it today, be looking forward and looking out and saying, okay, but when I, you know, when I do get a job, I'm going to do that. So just really encourage you to be planning thoughtfully and, and making sure you're doing it when you, when you can. And then the other thing that I think is so important about planning is creating an emergency or a curveball fund. And again, I know right now for some people that might seem like an impossibility, but, but again, as you look forward, you know, having some money set aside is is one of the most important things that you can do is having that to fall back on it it's just gonna when you do hit a situation like we have recently and if anything has happened you know as far as your job and how you're getting paid having that curveball fund or that emergency fund set aside you know it's not sexy it's not fun i get it and you know you're you're not earning much interest on it and so it feels at times, probably like, well, why am I wasting my money on this? But when when the emergency shows itself, you'll appreciate it. And and so having an emergency fund, you know, having that money set aside, you know, the rule of thumb is three to six months. I think that that's different for everybody. But, you know, it might just be finding one thing, Lynn. So if there's one thing that you can give up, you know, maybe it's 
there's a subscription that you've been paying for that you aren't really using. Do you really need that $10 a month subscription? Yeah, maybe not. And so maybe that's $10 that you can take and you can start putting into this emergency fund. I mean, start small. Don't don't look at it as, you know, I need three months worth of my salary or my income. Just think about it as what is one small thing, one small step that I can take to start. Man, that could be a hard decision, even if you make a list, you know, because I had to do that. So I definitely understand. I I truly believe that, you know, your planning experience should definitely provide peace of mind, insight, and definitely, most definitely, clarity to you and your family. Yeah. So everyone's on the same page. You know, and one of the things that I think I shared this, I I spoke to a group of college students and I shared this with them and and I think it was pretty impactful. So back when my parents were young, they felt, you know, they would work for the same company for their career and so they'd have a pension when they retired and, you know, they would have social security because they would work until they were 65 and, and then quite honestly, the, you know, they might only live to be 75, right? That was the expectation back then. And so there wasn't a lot of, you know, emphasis on saving. That's why it is so important for, you know, people to start as young as they possibly can and as early or, and, and like I said, and now, uh, start saving for that retirement if that's if that's a goal. And so, again, this is so valuable for people to understand this early on. And I just I can't encourage it enough to for people to understand and to prepare. Well, I truly appreciate you coming onto the show and at least uh, sharing this knowledge with us because um, not a lot of people are privy to it. Can you just recap on? Not really go into full detail, but just about the program, your six pillars to financial empowerment, where they can go to get involved on how to, you know, do well in their financial (laughs) journey, because there's a lot of us out there that needs it. Oh, thank you, Lynn. I'd love to. Yes, this is my mission. I, I want so deeply to help women with their financial understanding. And so the six pillars, again, so we've talked about the first three. Um, First one is getting into your money values and beliefs, the second one into financial goals, third into your starting point or your net worth. And then pillar four, we get into spending thoughtfully with purpose. And I think that's, you know, we touched on that just a little bit, but I think that's incredibly important to understand. Then pillar five is all about investments. And that's quite honestly where I probably spend the most time when I'm doing one of my programs because there's so much there to understand. There's so much jargon and lingo and, and, you know, the investment world has been very, very masculine, very male dominated. And so I've tried to make some really fun analogies that I think really help women connect the dots uh, when, when it comes to all of, all of that uh, foreign language that we can hear at times when our advisor is talking. And then pillar six is, I call it giving the best gifts, and that's really about insurance and estate planning. And again, it doesn't matter how simple or how complex your situation is. You need to understand both of those components 
and they're both really important aspects of your overall financial plan. And so we get into that. And then I really wrap it up, Lynn, with your heartfelt legacy. And I touched on legacy a little bit earlier, but I think legacy is so much more than, you know, what happens to your money after you die. And I think that's people's first um, thought when they think of legacy. But legacy is so much more than that. And we really wrap everything up uh, with talking about legacy. Fabulous. Jane, thank you so, so much for sharing your, your knowledge with us today and coaching us through these pillars. How will our audience connect with you? Yes. So my website is www.elegantwealth.com. And elegant has two L's, like my last name, Elegard. And they can look there. And I have two courses that will be rolling out, uh, online courses that will be rolling out here October 1st. And I would absolutely love to have as many women join as possible. It's short uh, six-week time period. Well, if they want to get it right, they need to contact you. And thank you for the opportunity to uh, be on your podcast. I've absolutely loved it. Well, guys, that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Just Minding My Black-Owned Business podcast. Don't forget, we now air twice a week on Tuesdays at 7 a.m., Eastern Standard Time on all national platforms, as well as on Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on Cali.fm. And as always, please share, subscribe, and review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you do use. We really appreciate your feedback and support. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, the dream is free, but the hustle is sold separately. See you next episode. You've been listening to the Just Mind in My Black Owned Business with Lynn Nicole podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you would like more information on any of our stories or would like to know how to get involved and share your story, head over to our website at theclickurban.com to contact us. Have a great week and we'll see you next episode.